I'd like to invite you on a walk. When I was a child, I spent a lot of time hiding from my brother and my mother. My brother would react to this by being increasingly annoying and finally violent. I would respond in kind, though I was never on the offensive, except emotionally, in the sense that I would probably egg him on. I definitely smiled a lot as a child at inopportune moments. I think I probably do now. There is something in me that is always laughing. And maybe the laughter is in and of itself an attack. But this cycle where I would retreat in some way, sometimes literally to the top of the roof or in some corner of the land that the house was in, and other times right in front of them by making myself detached and cold. And this pattern where I'd go cold and he'd go hotter uh, would result in violence over and over again. And my mother could not understand why we were doing what we were doing. She seemed to take it as a personal evidence of failure of her ability as a mother. And so she too would drift between hot and cold, between getting aggressive to try and reach us and also going withdrawn at times in sadness. Maybe in contending with a sort of hopelessness. And in these cycles I learned how to avoid people more and more. I appreciated punishments like being grounded because then I got to be alone in my room. I wasn't fully alone, of course. I had books. And when I got to see my friends, I enjoyed their company. But I definitely spent a lot of time conspiring with myself on how to get everyone else out of the house or get myself somewhere where they weren't. And at the time, I acted as if I didn't quite know why this was happening. And maybe it didn't, but I was definitely playing into the pattern myself.
later, much later, I had a group of friends, and though they weren't trying to reach me through annoyance or violence or anything like that, they were trying to reach me, they were trying to connect to me, and I pushed them away. I pushed many people away in high school, and then in my early 20s, I kind of disappeared from life. Again, in an attempt to retreat from the very thing that I needed, which was connection to others and to the wider world. I finally came out of that thanks to my best friend and my aunts who came to drag me out of that hole. But the same pattern would continue in the military. I was even attacked again in training by members of other units. And though my own unit would protect me, it was clear that I had a way of getting under people's skin in the same way that I did with my little brother. Though again, in my mind at the time, the blame was on them. I was being a perfectly reasonable person. And all the while, when I was married, my wife at the time tried to get through to me, and I responded by withdrawing further and further. And in the military, it's easy to use work as an excuse because you are. You have the capacity to work 60 to 80 hours a week. Sometimes you don't even come home. And that was really easy to use that as an excuse to avoid connection because underlying all of this is the fear of rejection. The fear that if I actually depend on someone else, if I actually make them a part of me, that they will withdraw before I do, and I will be left hanging in the dark. The dark that has and had become so comfortable to me, because in the dark, no one else can see me, but I could see them. And these cycles continue to today. What's weirder is that I've started to notice them in everyone else. Uh, 
I can see it when I witness a shaky point in any couple, often. In my friends, when they're going through hard times in their relationships, in my own relationships, I see one of my partners seeming to withdraw emotionally, and then I do the same, and it's very easy. In my last failed relationship, the parts were switched. I'd been used to being the avoidant one, but this time I was the one poking, I was the one demanding, trying to reach another person. And I found that incredibly valuable because now I can play both sides. I can feel what it's like to be on the other end, which has given me, I think, a better understanding of the game we're all playing. So, imagine a time when you only knew a hundred to two thousand people well. And you function as a part of a whole in order to feed yourself so that you may survive. Introducing money, large hierarchical societies, and economic specialization changes things a little bit. Now if you have money, you might not need to know your neighbors as well because you can just throw money at someone else and they will help you in a way that makes it seem like you are not dependent on them because with money you have the illusion of independence and as society gets more transactional you find this illusion everywhere people equate financial success with independence even though that money is worth nothing if you can't use it to get other people's help and just like you may be able to eat refined foods continuously in a way that makes it seem like you are getting fed while missing certain nutrients. We have the illusion of having strong 
emotional bonds, while in fact we are starving. We pick and choose the parts of people that we will accept and we believe we can do that and get away with it because we're so used to thinking about things in terms of transactions. And all this picking and choosing means we never get to fully bond with another human being. It means it's easy to retreat and the moment someone retreats another person is going to notice the lack of connection and be quite upset about it in the same way that my little brother who is now a little sister was deeply upset at my withdrawal We see this playing out at scale. Most of the time, when someone is talking about some policy, like whether education should be paid for, or universal health care, or the garbage heap in the Pacific, what they're most concerned about actually has little to do with the policy. They're often asking for the connection that some part of them knows should be there but is missing. At a time when we have more people than ever before, we are lonelier than ever before. And in the same way that you need a little pain before you get a little gain in the gym, I'm certain that this lack of connection will drive us to new heights of connection. But first, it pays to notice. When we are caught up in an argument or a disagreement and pays to notice the whole interaction rather than our specific part in the interaction. If this is a stage play then often we get lost in our specific character. But to put on a good show, you need to know the whole script. You need to know everyone's part so that you can recognize what game we're playing. And today, for a lot of us, that game is the game of chasing connection in a world that offers 
the appearance of connection without connection. And you can find it anywhere, really. Not just on a park bench saying hello to a stranger. You may even find it in social media. So long as you make bonds that last. So long as you accept the people that you come across for who they are rather than the parts of them you like. Because the act of picking and choosing is an act of rejection. Not just of them, but of ourselves. This doesn't mean that when you see a school shooter or someone with a bomb strapped to their chest about to blow up an area that you say well I understand that they're just looking for connection and that they didn't find it and they're trying to connect in the best way they can so let's leave them to shoot this school up or blow this area up you can empathize with them at the same time that you stop them. But this line of when to stop people, it's only very clear when violence is involved. For a lot of people, they might say that verbal violence is a time to stop someone. But I don't think so. Until some sort of physical threat is made, and even then, depending on the seriousness of the physical threat, shutting someone down because you don't agree with the pain that they have, with how the pain that they have triggers the pain in you, only kicks the problem down the road. If the word popsicle triggers you, then you may successfully get the whole world to stop saying popsicle. But in your heart, in your mind, you will still know the word popsicle and you will encounter it in your own mind and every time you do it will remind you of your loneliness so the only way is to step outside of that cycle by noticing it for what it is by noticing that whatever associations you have with the word popsicle they are painful. And like any wound, it pays to pay attention to the pain instead of ignoring the pain.
you'll notice that pain is information and the more information you have the easier it is to live with that pain it's yours and it's mine